What is up? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I'm your host, Brett McGrath, and we are kicking off the week right. We are breaking down another piece of content that we are learning from at The Juice. This one is a podcast conversation coming to us from Correlated. It is how to use freemium products to gain paying customers. I'm excited about this conversation because I got a whole bunch of notes on it, and it was so good that I brought in Jonathan to debrief on it. Breezy Beaumont, who's someone who I've been a spectator of viewing her content on LinkedIn, is facilitating the conversation with David Rostan, who is in charge of revenue at Stonely and X Calendly. And obviously, Calendly, Freemium, those go hand in hand. I was excited to understand and learn how he built that at Calendly and how he was taking some of those learnings to his new opportunity. Tons to unpack here. I learned a ton. If you like what we're doing over here, hit the subscribe button. Tell a friend that you're enjoying Modern Day Marketer. Without further ado, you know the drill. Welcome back, loyal listeners of the Modern Day Marketing Podcast. Brett and Jonathan here coming at you live at the top of the week, talking a little bit of content. And we've been doing this thing, you know, the content breakdown, pulling some pieces out of the juice that inspire us. Most of the time, just so you know, a little peek behind the curtain here, these are things that we're thinking about as a business that other people are writing, uh, talking, you know, shooting videos about, and we're pulling them from our platform and consuming them like any of our members would be. And then since we've got a podcast figured, it's a good idea to talk about what we're learning from them. So that is what we're doing before we introduce today's piece of content. Jonathan, how are you? What's on your mind this week? I am doing well. What's on my mind this week? College basketball. I'm a big college basketball fan. So it's an exciting time of year. Spring is around the corner in central Indiana, which is good. Uh, What else is on my mind is that you stole my first talking point already. And that the, the content we're talking about today is real life content. All the content we're talking about is things that we find and use for ourselves from the juice, which is always fun to be a user of your own product. It's been, I had a uh, presentation earlier this week to some potential investors, uh, as well as like kind of a, a local tech community. It's always fun to jump into our demo and be like, this is not a demo account. This is not fake data or fake content. This is this is what I log into and use almost daily using our product almost daily, which is just awesome. So uh, if you've got a pain point, if you've got a problem, I'd encourage you to go search in the juice for the content. Uh, again, we try not to make this podcast a product pitch, but uh, I think it can really help you in your day-to-day. If you're tuning into this, I'm guessing there's a use case for you to use the product, just like we did to find the piece of content that we'll be talking about today. Way to take the opportunity to authentically and genuinely plug what we're doing. I feel like it's important. This was a conversation and the conversation was a pretty good one. And we've talked a lot about product-led growth. I think specifically, this conversation was called how to use freemium products to gain paying customers and why it caught my attention. And it's from Correlated and Breezy Beaumont, who's the head of growth, is facilitating the conversation. And David Ross stands on the other side of it. But what, what makes the guest compelling is that David was the founder of Calendly, which I think anyone listening to this podcast, whether you have used Calendly to book meetings or been, or someone has sent you a Calendly link, we have all been a part of that kind of PLG go-to-market process. So that's kind of what hooked me into it. We're talking a lot about 
just PLG and freemium and getting to the decision points of like, how do we create a really good experience for people that are using our platform who want to raise their hand and maybe try new things. So we're actively having those conversations. So I listened to this conversation and I took notes because I figured if I listened to someone like uh, David, who's been there, done that, there's probably some gold nuggets and also Breezy, who is actively working at a company that creates content and builds around this. There, there would be a lot of takeaways from me. So that's why it caught my attention. I guess, Jonathan, from the top, freemium, PLG, their conversation, anything at like the highest level possible that you want to open up with before we, we dive in deep? I think even the title here has some nuance. Freemium versus PLG, are they different? Are they the same thing? Uh, that's something I'm trying to wrap my head around. Uh, it's something this content helped me wrap my head around. I think I am a believer in, unless you're the most enterprise of solutions, and even I've talked to some people who were selling six-figure contracts that are now doing PLG, I think all of software is moving in this direction. I also don't think anyone's truly, truly figured it out. Like Calendly is probably as close as anyone, so that's attractive, but I've talked to a lot of people across a lot of different software companies that in my mind from the exterior, I was like, oh, they're really good at PLG. I want to talk to them or really good at freemium. I want to talk to them. And just this week, I've had some conversations with those people who are like, yeah, we we never figured it out. We were always learning, always testing, like always felt like it was broken behind the scenes. So that was uh, my first kind of gut reaction as well as this content. I'm We'll get more in depth on it, but like, I just love the authenticity of it. Like they talked about a lot of the successes, but they also talked about a lot of the failures and a lot of the challenges along the way. So a bit cathartic to listen to as well in terms of just knowing like, okay, some of the same things we feel like we're wrestling with, everyone is wrestling with, or they're wrestling with different things. So I was really uh, encouraged when you sent this piece of content. Yeah. So I, I sometimes like to take the, the, the caveman approach with some of the takeaways and like being like, like if a caveman were to listen or watch this back then, like how would they like, what is the simplest takeaways that they would have? And to me, we've been talking a lot about PLG and like my caveman response to PLG, why people like uh, Breezy and David are building businesses and talking about this is there's, there's two things. I think one is that the caveman response would be like people, your future customers don't have to talk to anyone. That's why PLG works. And I think the the other one is it uh, it allows people to use what you're doing um, and building for and gain value and then eventually find enough value that they want to talk to you. So that's like, as I'm trying to wrap my head around this is being a marketer who's traditionally built go to market for your traditional SaaS, you know, playbook, how you do things. Uh, this is kind of rethinking it and reimagining it in a way where I just think it's like building this framework makes sense because people don't have to talk to anyone and you get the product in the hands of your future customers as quick as possible. Yeah. It takes me back to the hand raisers conversation we had about the piece of content from Clearbit, right? I, you know, there's, there's different statistics. I think it's like 95% of B2B buyers like are, you know, make a purchasing decision without ever talking to someone or 60% of the buying process is done before ever talking to someone like PLG is the way to meet those buyers in the middle, right? They're out doing their research. They're out reading your content. How do you 
make a product that lets them raise their hand when they are ready or test your product. Um, it's more efficient for the vendor doing the selling. It's more efficient and more, uh, I would argue, like humane for the buyer of the software. Uh, so it just feels like it, it's that middle safe ground where, where the two can come together and it, it can happen. The sales process can happen much more naturally than maybe traditionally it's been done in software sales. The, the mechanics behind this is, if I think about this from a correlated perspective, so they created this piece of content, this podcast, and they are having this conversation to bring awareness to freemium. Um, and then, you know, at some level, right, you you start to explore and dig around to what Correlated does and see if that's, if you're working on something similar and they might be able to help. And then you enter the the funnel and then what what they talk a lot about is just the differences between marketing and sales process, where if my mindset would be build brand, do podcast things, and then you do these things because you want people to raise their hand and talk, go talk to Kate, who's our salesperson, about how they can use the juice for distribution, where their next step is more, it sounds like more product marketing focused, where it's like, we need to over-index on the product marketing side to make sure that instead of talking to a human, they're talking to a human is entering the product and then making sure that there are assets along the way that the user's know and understand how to gain maximum value from the product so that then they will go ask and request whatever the model is to learn more, pay for the enterprise package, you name it. So emphasis on product marketing, which I think every marketer would agree is important, but in PLG, it might be a little more important than traditional B2B go-to-market SaaS. And you've seen this rise with PLG of the growth team or growth marketer, growth leader, growth manager. We have one at the Juice, Elena, and it's something her and I talk about a lot. What is growth? It's part product marketing. It's part product management. It's part marketing. It's part acquisition, paid media. Like there's, It's a very cross-functional thing, but that's because PLG, like you said, puts a bigger emphasis on product marketing. I think it puts a bigger emphasis on product design. How do you build product to make product-led growth possible? Uh, I think customer success is very important. Is it customer success or is it customer adoption? Uh, conversion, is it account development representatives? Is it sales representatives? Like there's just, it, it, it's really a, the entire business has to shift. And I think that that growth role is something that I've seen rise along with the PLG model that so many software companies are now building out. So think of, okay, moving to the sales side of this, think about how we we typically have done. We don't talk about doing things this way because we feel like this is the old way. But traditionally, the mindset is spend a lot of money, invest, do a bunch of marketing things, cast a wide net, and let you know through your content syndication, through all of these old marketing ways and tactics and channels, and watch your Salesforce lead count keep going up. And those vanity metrics, we're going up and we got more leads, so we're good. And we're going to take that pile of not so great leads and pass it over to our sales team and say, here you go. You asked for 1,500 leads this month. Here's 1,700. I'll see you next month with even, even more. And then sales is stuck like with all this crap, calling all these people. And then at the end of it, what happens? They say, these leads suck. And then sales and marketing get in the octagon and battle it out for eight rounds. So that's kind of the old way to do what things. This way encourages 
a, a wide funnel, get people in, but instead of them just being a, a, a name in your database, they're actually a human being using your product. And what I picked up that I had never really spent a lot of time on in this conversation is that the, that's the inbound channel for your sales team, where it's, let's look at the behaviors. Let's, let's profile these individuals. Let's see who they are. Let's see where they work. Let's figure out if there's anyone, an ideal customer, and let's see what their behavior is on the app. And then if they're hitting paywalls or if they're doing certain things, then me as a sales professional can go reach out to them. And probably I would guess have an easier conversation about why they should buy the premium package over that lead that someone got from a content syndication program that's they're never going to pick up the phone or answer an email. That was a takeaway for me. What were your thoughts on just the sales process and the freemium slash PLG model? My first question for you is who wins an eight round battle in the octagon between a sales team and a marketing team? Sales always wins, no matter what. Sa- right. Sales always win. We work for you, sales professional. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, they talked about this in this piece about layering on to the different sales motions, I think. And that is, I, I think you're exactly right. Like, I, I, I think this is a Jonathan opinion, uh, not necessarily as it's uh, stated explicitly in this content, but like, I don't think... You, not many companies, I think right now, especially are doing like exclusively PLG or exclusively enterprise sales, like real well. And I think it's hard to do both PLG and enterprise sales at the same time, both really well, but I think it is okay to experiment and layer on these different things. We started and are currently doing like traditional enterprise sales. And now we're trying to layer on a freemium or a PLG or different packaging. Um, I've talked to other people who start PLG or freemium and then they try to layer on enterprise sales. And so I just think it, it's, it doesn't necessarily have to be one or the other. I agree with your sentiment though, that like, this is a way to find of those 1700 contacts, you know, you're finding the 12 that are going to be your customers because they've, they've started using the product. They're engaged. You know, what shows that they're interested and I think that's much more effective. I talked to one uh, CEO earlier this week. They're also kind of a marketplace product similar to the Juice. And I was just picking his brain a little bit. And he said something very early on, which I really liked and was encouraging to me. He said, we made product and sales decisions based on what would increase our optionality in terms of how do we, how do we build so that we don't go so far down one path that then we have to unravel that and start down a new path. Let's let's do as much as we can to keep as many paths out in front of us, but experiment as much as possible. I don't know about other people going the PLG route, but it feels like that's what we are doing and we need to do it the juice. We need to experiment with different PLG tactics before we can start planning around it. We, again, extreme transparency here on the, the Modern Day Marketers podcast, we had PLG accounting for revenue in our financial model this year. Uh, we actually pulled that out of our financial model. But what we didn't do is we didn't pull out the uh, tactics or the appetite to begin testing or the timeline that we wanted to begin testing PLG. We just felt like we can't accurately forecast or rely on revenue coming into the business from PLG until we've adequately tested a few different ways to do it. So I, I just, I, I don't know if I'm answering your question or not, but uh, I think the the layering approach and keeping optionality open and, and experimenting is extremely important when you go PLG. I have one word on my notes and one word in capital. Well, well, I have many words, but one word in capital letters, and it's 
actually has an exclamation point and it says experimentation. So that was a big takeaway from for me in this piece. And I want to talk a little more about that, but this for us at the juice, we're spending a lot of time, energy, resources, bandwidth on content. We're doing a podcast right now. We, we communicate, we invest a lot in social media, a lot in newsletter, writing articles, a lot in this, this brand building portion, because we believe in it. And I think we building brand and doing these things that not aren't necessarily going to be transactional and get you results overnight, but are like a, a bunch of things that happen over time that build to me, what we're doing in other companies that are doing that are top of people's minds when they think about B2B SaaS to me, that, that like, that's a good like gateway to a PLG motion and product, right? It's like, here, we're not asking you to fill out this form. We're not forcing you into the sales process. We're trying to provide you as much value. And by the way, we have this thing and you can go check it out and explore it on your own and then hopefully become a customer. I, I guess like m- my question to you, Jonathan, would be if we, I don't think we're going to stop the brand building efforts. I think once you started, it's hard to turn it back. So we're doing these things to build interest for what we're doing. Then you, you layer in PLG on the top of it. What is the point where you believe that you have given enough value, given enough access to your, your members that you then start to apply some sort of like, hey, let's talk about how you can use this to help run your business better. Let's talk about what a, you know, annual contract would look like. Like based on PLG, I think for me as the brand builder, it's like, I like this giveaway, giveaway, go, go, go. Cause it makes people feel good. But at some point, right. You need to drive some, some results, things that you can take back to the board to talk about from a revenue perspective. Like what's the balance between those two things? I have no idea. (laughs) <laughs> Good. I'm glad you don't because I don't either. So um, I would say bullshit. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like I'm like name dropping on this podcast. It's just been a, it's been a week of like interesting meetings. I talked to the former product marketer from G2 earlier this week. Uh, somebody you and I worked with at Exact Target a long time ago. And uh, we reconnected because I think there's some similarities in our business to the G2 model, the freemium model. They were kind of PLG before PLG. And she, she talked about this, like she, she said, even she left their business about a year ago, but she said, you know, she was with them, I think like five or six years. And this was a constant tension amongst product sales, marketing, what's free, what's paid every single feature. There was debate over it. And she's like, we never knew what was right. And I was like, well, that makes me feel slightly better that you like, you know, again, outsider looking in looked like they had it all buttoned up and figured out. We even in this meeting, we pulled up their pricing page and she's uh, she's like, you know, there's so many layers to this and so many different, this was always evolving that it like, this is just one iteration of it. And I was like, oh, well, that's, that's a relief that even, you know, somebody who has had a million plus reviews, multiple millions of reviews on their website, hundreds of thousands of reviewers, they were still wrestling with this. And this is what I was saying earlier. I don't think anyone's truly figured this out. I think, we as a business, uh, myself as CEO, like I have a responsibility to investors and the employees to make revenue that can keep us in business, obviously, but growing. And so, you know, it is something that we have to consider, but I, I don't know, you know, it's not a simple framework where it's like anything beyond this much value 
customers have to pay for. I think that's that goes into the experimentation as well. Like we have to turn some features on, turn some features off, test, make sure you have the ability to measure the impact that those different things have and the data to make those decisions. But I think it goes back to experimentation. Fair, fair answer and assessment. I want to close out talking about virality and talking about the importance of virality in kind of this freemium model and framework. One thing that stuck out to me that David was talking about, and I think anyone listening can experience this, is when I was working at my former employer, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, our team just started saying in, in person, hey, yeah, I sent them this Calendly link. I sent them this Calendly link. All of a sudden, Calendly link and Calendly is being used at our organization just like that. And Calendly was a thing. And I'm sitting back there thinking about how this happened and just admiring, to be honest with you, the fact that we were talking about a company's name because they just made, they eliminated like one step from booking meetings. And that was super powerful. And so like the most fascinating thing for me of the conversation was to think about, uh, listen to David talk about and think about that from like, not just inside the app, but what can you do outside the app? Another example that comes top of mind for me is like, early days freemium version of Drift, right? It's just a chat. You embed a little code. It's free. The benefit to Drift is on everybody's website, it, there it says powered by Drift and everyone knows the Drift bolt and that helped gain them traction early. So I think there's this element of how can you take what you're doing and package it up in a way that it makes makes it accessible and easy for people who are no, don't even know about your app or or are outside of your app to get visibility in what you do. Um, and I thought that was super important. And like my, I obviously, I slacked you about it. My wheels got spinning about what is our opportunity to do that, but want to get your perspective. I like it because it involves brand marketing. It involves product. It involves sales. It, it seems like it involves every kind of function thinking about product-led growth and freemium models from this perspective. Yeah. I laugh when we talk about virality a little bit. I feel like it's a classic like marketing meme or joke, like somebody who's not in marketing, asking marketing to make something go viral. But I, if you're interested in this topic, a book I would strongly recommend is The Cold Start Problem by Andrew Chin. It's about uh, network products or marketplace dynamic products um, and how a lot of the really valuable software companies now are these products that have network effects in them. And it talks about this, it calls it reaching escape velocity in your business is when like, you know, you're maybe, you know, experimenting a lot, churning your wheels a lot. And then all of a sudden you reach this tipping point and then you hit this escape velocity and everything grows more efficiently. And I think for me, what that means is like, you have to, there's a lot of work to get to the tipping point, but once you find it, you as a business have to be ready to take advantage of it. I think you, you and I have felt this a little bit with creator pages, right? Like, I don't think that, that, that like that's, it's a part of our story that's going to make the juice a really big, really awesome platform. It's a really important part. And like, now we're trying to figure out how to capture uh, the, the, this small tipping point, probably on a much larger curve, but and now how do we hit some escape velocity with creator pages? What are, the, what are the next steps there that we can take advantage of? And I'll, I'll admit, I, I think you and I both feel like we probably weren't prepared for as well as creator pages 
and we we knew this going in we wanted to launch them in beta and learn along the way but like we're like oh shit this is really cool like we got to do more right how do we get how do we get this happening more and so we're figuring that out right now in real time and we will figure it out i think that virality like once it's happening like man just direct all your resources there but be prepared to take advantage of it as opposed to just going on and trying to find the next viral thing right Again, not sure if that answers the the specific question, but this is a topic I think a lot about. The the other thing I'll say from that is, uh, and I think it speaks to the experimentation as well. That book talks a lot about finding your atomic network, which is like, what is the smallest network that you can gain network effects with? Once you've done it once, you can do it five times. Once you can do it five times, you can do it 10 times, 10, 100, and that will scale really quick. So just two maybe nuggets uh, from that book and like I said, I'm still learning a lot here, still studying this a lot. And if you are interested in this topic, I'd, I'd strongly recommend that book. I'm going to, cl- we're going to close out by putting you on the spot. Are you okay with that? I suppose so. <laughs> so this is the second conversation that we've talked about PLG based on content from other brands in the space. We it's there's PLG is being had in conversations in a lot of different spots at the juice with our team. What, like, what are your expectations regarding this topic PLG and the direction or potential directions we could go? And I guess maybe also let layer some commentary on like why you think if we do go in that direction, it's important for like members of our platform or people that will be coming in. Is that enough for you? Is that a, is yeah, that a heavy yeah. enough question uh, for you good. to close uh, this We'll out? just clip this part and make sure the entire team listens to it. So I think this year is experimentation for us on the PLG front. I think um, we'll probably do a lot of experimentation as quickly as we can this year. We're already working on some of that. And then I think next year we'll start to plan around it or we'll start to plan around having PLG be a significant part of our business and launching that next year. And then I think it's about, it's about finding that virality with that PLG because we are already doing enterprise sales and we're going to continue to do enterprise sales while we do this experimentation. I think the unique thing for the juice is PLG kind of has two audiences for us. Uh, on the member side, the individual user side of our product, there's an opportunity to turn those individuals into customers, but we don't want to be transactional with that. And that's not our intent for having members, but we want to make sure they have the ability where if they are enjoying the juice and they want their brand to be on the juice, I want to make sure that we make that possible and as seamless as possible for them. And then we have the the pure brand side of the juice as well, where maybe they're not a member of the juice, but they're familiar with the juice. And they know they want to distribute their content on the juice. How do we get that PLG model? So a few different layers there, but I think I am okay with and planning on us falling on our face a few times this year with PLG, getting up and then uh, being able to run with it next year. Good response. I'll accept that. And I now I can see, I see where we're headed now, which I, I can appreciate those expectations. What I will say is that a year, this is what the fun part about working in startups is. A year ago, this this was not even in the hemisphere of things that we were worrying or thinking about. And it's just so fun how much things change and evolve. Now we're having like really like intricate conversations on product, how we maximize momentum, all of these things. And I think it's just uh, to anyone out there who's working in the startup space, trying to push, it feels like you're pushing a boulder up a mountain most of the time, but like you do hit this next gear. And then the next gear is this 
I wouldn't call it sophisticated yet, but it's like this next layer of sophistication with the problems we're trying to solve with our members and customers in mind. It's a lot of, I think the startup environment inherently is a lot of like S curves, which terrible podcasting to use a visual, but right. Like you, you get a burst of growth really quickly and then it kind of blows plateaus and then you get another S curve and you, you hit, you know, a burst of growth and then it plateaus a little bit. Then I think you zoom out from that and that looks like one big S curve, right? That's, that's a lesson that I learned actually at my last company that has stuck with me a little bit of like, but when you do hit those points of growth, like take advantage of them, right? Like I think that's, we've talked a lot about momentum on this podcast. I think take advantage of that momentum, but yeah, you're going to, you're going to have those bursts of growth and you're also going to have those plateaus and I think experimenting throughout is what uh, allows you to, when you zoom out for it to look like one big S curve. Want to thank Breezy at Correlated and David, who used to be at Calendly and is now is at Stonely. Great piece of content. Definitely something we will be sharing with our team and we'll be doing more of these. Jonathan, you are off the hot seat. Go watch some basketball now. Go Boilers. <laughs> so much goodness in that one. Thank you so much, Breezy and David, for bringing it giving us something to talk about, giving us something to work through over here at The Juice. Make sure you take care of yourself, take care of others around you. Have a really good week, and we'll be back on Friday with another episode of Modern Day Marketer.